Hello, I'm Zoe Duff and this is Don't Say Maybe. We all have dreams and plans for what we'd like to achieve in our lives. Frequently life gets in the way and we find obstacles that slow us down or completely derail our hopes. We say, oh maybe, someday, if things change. Some people don't see obstacles. They see challenges and they find a way through, around, or over things that stop most of us. Time travel fascinates me. I'd like to go back in time and see what the area I live in looked like in previous centuries. There are times when I'd like to be able to go back in time and slap myself upside the head too. Or say something differently, perhaps be more assertive or with a better comeback. Past life regression is an interesting idea as well. Have we lived lives before this one? Are we trying to correct mistakes and lost opportunities from some former existence? Do we seek out interaction with the same souls in each life? I've met people that I'm certain I've known before and gone places that I recognize but I'm positive that I've never traveled to before. Did I see some TV show as a kid and just don't remember? As a writer, I've played with these ideas and I've studied various ways of discerning personality under pressure. Today's guest will chat with us about her book, When Life Has Other Plans, and bring forward some interesting angles on discovering the gifts and lessons learned as we walk through life and reach for our dreams. Joining me by Zoom Audio is Dorothea Gordon. We are here with uh, Dorothea Gordon, who is author of When Life Has Other Plans. Your uh, Dorothea, welcome. Thank you for having me. Your, um, I was reading your bio, and it says that uh, you're a retired high school foreign language teacher who practices alternative healing modalities, and now are a certified transformational life coach. That's a vast understatement of your skill set, though, from reading your book. Um, your book is a lovely memoir, walking us through various ways of your initial and subsequent life plans where that were diverted and even completely derailed by circumstance, still you grabbed onto the resulting opportunities and moved on to a better dream. So, uh, how did COVID's restrictions bring about the writing of this book? Well, uh, COVID really didn't have anything to do with it at the beginning because I started the book in November, the year before uh, COVID started. And uh, I realized I needed to hand something out to my audiences after my lectures and workshops because I was trying to establish myself in the Comox Valley. And I felt that my own life story could serve as an inspiration for other people because I had always been, uh, when I was giving my lectures and workshops, I was always filling in with my own life stories and people said, oh, this is so interesting. You know, we'd like to know more about that. So there was a gift in me though in that COVID situation namely that all my courses lectures and workshops got cancelled and I had all the time in the world just to write and actually it only took me five months for the text and two months for editing and publishing and it was like this had been inside me for so long it poured out it just poured out there was no real effort involved and it my subtitle was proven again that there is a gift in every adverse uh, every adversity if we can only see it and this time i saw it so i have no complaints 
um, with regard to the shutdown of all these uh, things that we thought were so important in our lives. And we got an opportunity to be confronted or to get acquainted with ourselves. Right. Uh, we talked about COVID's implications in a previous episode, and I, I said it was really a gift of time and to... the one had to look at it in that positive aspect. Every chapter in your book ends with what lessons were learned and what gifts gift was achieved for you. Are these all hindsight, clear vision, or did you realize the growth result at the time? Hmm. Unfortunately, um, when I started out on this transformational path, I was too unconscious to see any gifts in the challenges I was dealing with. Like everyone else, I whined and complained about the unfairness of life. And it took me quite a while to realize that there were gifts to be found and that sometimes when I didn't get what I wanted, it was actually to my advantage. Now, uh, when something works out, I say, well, it's life's direction. And if it doesn't work out, it's life's protection. And it's always important that when we engage in a project that or a dream that we pursue to say uh, may this be for my highest good because if it doesn't work out we can realize that it wasn't for our highest good and we don't have to feel so rotten and feel like failures because we haven't achieved what we wanted to um, to come up with so uh, listening to inner guidance requires alertness and consciousness and awareness and that is something that um, many people are not really uh, in touch with. They tend to listen to what is told to them on by the media or by their relatives. They don't quite believe that they have the power to create their own lives. Right. Huh. You share uh, many obstacles that you experienced and then chance encounters would bring just the right person or situation needed to resolve or work around that obstacle. Did you keep focused and alert to options or did this happen despite yourself? Well, that's actually a great question. I could say that good things happened despite myself. And I must admit that I often felt guided. So I believe that there are angels with and without wings. And, you know, Zoe, I could look at you and say, you're an angel without wings. You are going to uh, have an, or what you're doing with me here may have an impact on one person or several persons that would not have found out uh, about themselves if they hadn't listened to that. So I myself often felt like I was being guided and that somebody was taking me by the hand and moved me to the next level. It wasn't... Um, like I was clear on what I wanted. I just somehow, somehow always felt pushed. So there were so many occasions where, for instance, I could have died, yet as is obvious in my book, people or spirits were around me that literally saved me. So uh, having these uh, experience has been extremely, uh, uh, what should I say, encouraging that there is a lot going on around us that we're not aware of and that has uh, more of an impact than we with our own minds have. Right. I've had uh, 
similar experiences in my life too and uh, when I look back I think geez I don't know who was watching over me but I must have horseshoes up my butt because I there's no way I should have survived that or that should have worked out that way yeah Yeah. so I I would agree with you Um, so you studied to be a grapho analyst which led to a research project analyzing people's handwriting while they were in a past life regression I love that story Your spiritual journey was one of curiosity and taking advantage of opportunities to explore. Can you tell us more? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it was my boundless curiosity which made me study handwriting analysis. I thought it would be a neat tool for me as a teacher to use on my students. And once it became known in the schools where I was at that I was a handwriting analyst, my colleagues would only give me typed notes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they didn't want me to go into their classrooms because they didn't want me to see their handwriting. <laughs> it was very um, interesting to see how people's behaviors are often so different from their personality. Uh, to me, that's always been the most amazing things when, you know, you form a picture of someone who you interact with and how they act. And then all of a sudden you see their handwriting. And you think, oh my gosh, is that really what's going on here? So there, it's been very revealing. I found it very helpful in the course of my life. But little did I know that at the time, handwriting analysis would be the gateway to my spiritual initiation. The funniest thing was that the first sentence of the first chapter uh, of my book had been floating around in my head for years. I kept hearing this this, uh, sentence. So let me read a few paragraphs to you. Okay, so I'll read the first chapter with the first phrase. It says, hi, I'm calling about your ad in the paper, said a young man's voice on the phone. I'm making a documentary about, is there life before life? And I need someone who can help me prove that. I was not familiar with the idea of life before life because the religion I had grown up with only concerned itself with the afterlife. And afterlife to me meant that I would be rewarded if I had led a virtuous life and punished if I had not. I said as much to the caller and wondered what my role would be in this project. You're, adra- you're advertising your graph- services as a graph analyst. And I was thinking you could analyze people's handwriting while they are in a past life regression, explained the young man. Ah, what a fascinating proposal. I asked him to share more details and he told me, I know a lady who does past life regressions. You could analyze a sample of a participant's present day handwriting and then see if the one we will obtain during the regression reflects their past character. Now I was truly intrigued and agreed to meet with him and the regressionist for further dis- to further discuss the procedures. This proposal was a rather different result from what I had initially intended with my newspaper ad, namely to serve private and individuals who wanted to find out more about their character and aptitudes. As a teacher, I had planned to use graph analysis only at school. It would let me assess my students more accurately and identify their strengths, weaknesses, fears and talents so I could best support them. But now I was asked to apply my skills in the paranormal field that I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about. It was 1981, and at this time I was living in Victoria, BC, Canada, married to a Canadian 
whom I had met in Mexico 10 years earlier. I'm originally from Bavaria. You may hear an accent in my uh, pronunciation, which to me, Bavaria, to me is the most beautiful state in Germany. Christopher, my future husband, had come to work and live with my parents in my small hometown of Altenstadt, located in Northeast Bavaria and famous for its lead crystal production. I attended the University of Regensburg during the week and came home for the weekends. My parents adored my boyfriend, teaching him German and local customs in the hope that we would finish our career trainings and then live happily ever after somewhere nearby. We got married in 1974 and we were looking forward to a comfortable life in Bavaria. But there were developments which indicated that life had other plans for me. After I had completed my education in 1976, there were no jobs for educators because teachers were a dime a dozen. The government had encouraged young people to train as teachers to replenish the few left over after the war. But now the market was being flooded. My husband thought it would be a better idea to move to Canada because there we could easily afford the house and the dog I was always dreaming of. I could also work as a French teacher because Canada is bilingual. I struggled to shut down the nagging voices warning me that it was one thing to visit a country, but quite another to live there. Yet I was ready for new adventures and as you will later uh, see, willing to take risks. We packed our belongings into crates, took our VW bus to Hamburg to be shipped to Vancouver, and a few weeks later said goodbye to our relatives, friends, and colleagues. To this day, I cannot remember the farewell scene with my family at the train station and what had unfolded there. It was too painful for me to feel anything. My mother was heartbroken because my father had died three months earlier at the age of 52 and now she was losing us too. At least she still had her 10-year-old twin girls, Barbara and Suzanne, to give her life joy. So that's uh, the chapter, uh, the first chapter of the book. So uh, in the book, you talk about your travels from Bavaria to Mexico, you just were talking about, to Canada, but also Costa Rica and Texas all following, following that curiosity and a chance meeting with just the right person. Was it easy to place your trust in the universe and your interior guidance system, as you call it, to create space in your life plan? Um, at the beginning, it was very hard to place my trust into the universe until I noticed that I didn't have to struggle so hard to get what I wanted. When I surrendered my self-will to life, I would receive messages via my interior guidance system with an intensity that felt literally like a kick in the behind. Uh, when that happened, I knew I had to follow the guidance. And that also comes out in the book that I had to make changes in my plans in order to be able to follow the guidance. And you know, it, it still applies today when I have to make a decision. I listen to my body first, you know, is, is first of all, is there the kick there? If there's not, then I listen to my body when it doesn't react, when there is none of this gut feeling that says, then I go ahead and uh, follow my 
my intent, my goal, because the body is much wiser than the mind. The mind is always there to try and talk us out of things because the mind consists of all the voices that we grew up with that said, don't do this and don't try that and oh, you'll fail. So listening to the body uh, and knowing how to discern its messages has been very, very helpful for me. There's a thing called focusing that's um, a, a program of doing that. It, it comes out of Germany. A, a friend of mine that's a midwife introduced me to it. And it's exactly that. You listen to your body. And and if you, if you think about or say the word of um, Mexico and your stomach goes for a flip, you know, that's probably not the place to go. And yeah. and yeah, your 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 body is quite the uh, quite the um, vibrational focus for decisions. Uh, yeah. So uh, you refer to several points in your life in the book where anxiety or grief waylaid you, and your situation overwhelmed you. You speak of restoring balance, refocusing, and having euphoria rise up from inside you. I like that phrase. The book is full of amazing moments of healing through you and for you. Which is your favorite story? Um, I would say it's uh, the miracle because it was an event which hit me like a ton of bricks. I had always doubted my healing gift and attributed it to other people imagining that they were getting better. My teacher called me the doubting Thomasina. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the end, the universe made sure that I got the message and had to stop doubting because it was just such an unusual event. So I'm going to read you some of that as well, if I may. Sure. And it's called um, Chapter 9, uh, called Back on the Healing Path. Once I felt stronger, I couldn't shake off the need to know why my marriage had fallen apart. I had planned my life so thoroughly, and now it was all in shambles. There was one way to find out, I thought, namely through a regression. I called Pat, the regressionist lady, to set up an appointment in November 1996, but she didn't think it would do me any good. According to her, I was on a new track and could use my emerging energy in a more constructive way. She also reminded me that our souls join with others to learn lessons. When we have passed the test, the teacher, in my case, my husband, leaves. Now I could see him in a new light and even feel grateful. Pat suggested I join a group of people who were taking the energy healing course that I had started many years ago, but never finished. It would help me heal myself. That made sense and I signed up. Saturdays were now committed to exploring the complexity of the body's magne magnetic field and the meridians, which are the energy pathways in the human body. We learned that many diseases are the result of old energy stuck somewhere in the body and interfering with the natural flow of life force, which is so important for good health. I acquired methods for feeling and then removing blockages by developing sensitivities in my hand. I was also taught to discern the sensations like hot and cold, smooth and rough, tingling and stagnant, and so on. It was fascinating to experience my own blockages and releases 
as well as those of the people I worked on. What all of us had studied in theory, but didn't always apply in our daily lives, were valuable insights for preventing disease. I felt encouraged to keep my mental, emotional, and spiritual energy flowing with breathing exercises and meditations because it would make me a better healer. I learned that my performance would also be affected by the foods I ate, the kinds of thoughts I entertained, and what I focused them on, how much I exercised, the degree of physical and emotional hygiene I practiced, the people I hung out or worked with, and what was going on in my environment. But what seemed even more important was to focus on what made me feel joyful and grateful. Lots of love and laughter, playfulness, and filling myself up with soul-feeding activities. I realized that I was out of balance in every domain and began to repattern myself. Out went the junk food and the extra weight. In came activities such as international folk dancing, singing in the recently forming, uh, formed Getting Higher Choir, attending Al-Anon meetings, and focus on really seeing the beauty around me and all the good things in my life. There was a kind of euphoria rising up inside me and I felt like a bird which had been let out of its cage. Enriched by my new knowledge, I was eager to share my healing gifts with anyone who was ready and willing to receive them. I didn't have long to wait. About six months into the course and applying myself diligently to master the skills, I ran into Jill, the mother of one of my son's friends. In the course of our conversation, I learned that she had discovered a lump in her breast and that had, uh, and had to have it removed. The lump had been x-rayed, biopsied, and deemed cancerous. Since she was quite worried about the operation, I offered to balance her energy field to prepare her body for the surgery and to help it heal faster. She said she didn't really believe in all this woo-woo, but if it wouldn't hurt, she would give it a try. Jill came over the day before the surgery. I made her comfortable on my treatment table, balanced her polarities, cleaned her aura, took out old blockages where I sensed them under my hands, filled her with prana, the Sanskrit word for life energy, and applied every tool I had acquired in the course. My only intent was that this treatment should make things easier for her. She left after an hour and a half, saying she felt quite light and relaxed and ready to face the knife the next day. I was happy for her and with myself. It had all felt so easy and natural. The next morning, the phone rang at 9.30. It was Jill. She sounded slightly dazed as she was telling me what had happened. Earlier on, when she was lying on the gurney in the hospital, waiting to be wheeled into the, into the OR, she touched her breast to say goodbye to the lump, but couldn't feel it. She called the nurse and reported her observation. The nurse couldn't feel anything either and called the surgeon who checked and then said, I can't taste something out that's not there. Go home. My brain refused to accept what I was hearing. The lump had disappeared. Jill said she'd be in, that she'd been in a lot of pain in the affected area all through the night, but in the morning rushed around to get ready for the trip to the hospital. She did recall though, that as I was working on her the previous day, she felt like there were big bubbles coming off her body. During my training, I had learned that blocked old energy could be dissolved by higher frequencies being channeled into the body. It's similar 
to the process used in the hospital where doctors apply laser beams to break up kidney stones, which the body then flushes out through the urinary tract. In my friend's case, it could have been old energy from traumas that had calcified in her body and then manifested as a malignant growth. Jill noticed the release as bubbles. Well, there I was standing in my kitchen, completely stunned and speechless. What was going on? Pat would know. I called her and related the story. She laughed and said that the universe had sent me a crystal clear message that it wanted to work through me. I would have to stop doubting myself and get focused on being of service. But my brain refused to accept these messages. Instead of feeling elated and empowered, I felt like hiding. So there's the story. Interesting. That yeah, that's it. That, that was uh, another one of the stories I quite liked. Mm -hmm. uh, perfectionism was taught to you as a child, and you noted as part of a dysfunctional childhood. You also talk about self-doubt just now, and outdated coping mechanisms as something that lowers your vibration and impacts your ability to heal and assist others in healing. Do you think that we create barriers to achieving our goals subconsciously and perhaps draw negative situations to ourselves because of that lower vibration? Absolutely. We are energetic beings. We're like walking magnets which draw to ourselves what we think about and focus our attention on. Thoughts are also energy forms. They are the basis for the law of attraction, which I'm sure many listeners have heard of. So knowing this, I have now become very careful with my thoughts, the subjects I read about, the people I hang out with, because other people's energy fields can merge with ours and contaminate it. And then we wonder why we feel so wrong. Let me give you an example of what the Japanese scientist, Dr. Emoto, discovered in an experiment. Many of you may have heard of him and uh, the work he did with water. He took three jars and filled them with rice and poured water on them, put them on a shelf. And for 30 days in a row, he said to the first uh, jar, he said, thank you. To the second jar, he said, you're an idiot. And the third jar he ignored. After 30 days of doing that consistently, the rice in the first jar was bubbling away and having a pleasant aroma. The one that was an idiot had turned black and the one that had been ignored was rotting. So that tells you the power of our thoughts and our words. Even though, you know, kids say uh, sticks and stones can hurt my bones, but words can never hurt me. It is quite the other way. So being careful of what we say and who we hang out with, what we watch for movies, what we listen to on uh, the social media can have an impact on you. I, for instance, cannot uh, read anything scary. I like to read murder mysteries <laughs> after eight o'clock in the evening because it does impact me because I'm, as you may have known, uh, sensitive. People who do healings are often sensitive and oversensitive to stimuli in the environment. Right now, I'm teaching dream building courses at elder colleges in the Mid-Island University. 
And among other things, I educate my students about the power of their thoughts. I give them what I call the results formula. And I'm surprised every time to see just how new this is to many of them. And that's why I have such a desire to be of service and to be of use to help people become clear on what they can achieve for themselves just by watching what they think and what they say. Sounds very uh, beneficial to our listeners and mm -hmm. myself as well. Um, pruning the things we don't need and making room for the things we do seem to happen in our darkest hours. In the book you say, the purpose of a relationship is to complete unfinished business from a past life. Do you think that the situations and encounters we have all have a purpose in the bigger life plan? Does that encourage us to be aware in the moment as well as hopeful for tomorrow? Yes, I do. I absolutely believe that the people we meet and the situations we encounter are there for a purpose. You know, often you meet people who uh, you immediately relate to. And then you have known other people, or for instance, relatives, you've known all your life and you cannot relate to them. So they all have a purpose, namely the purpose to make us become aware and wake up. And often these people and events that give us a hard time are our best teachers. They force us to go deep inside ourselves and um, dig out our existing strengths and develop new ones. If our lives just went da 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 da, we would not have to make any effort. We'd always stay the same, and we would gain uh, not not really um, the the powers that are inside us that can be so beneficial not only to ourselves but to others as well. And actually, we come into this life with a blueprint, and I'm becoming very uh, esoteric now and metaphysical. But in my past life research, I listened to volunteers describing how they had created the blueprint uh, for a life, or their life, while they were still in spirit, meaning on the other side. They got together with other spirits to decide what lessons they wanted to learn in this new incarnation and who was going to play what role. So I found that extremely fascinating because uh, it happened to me later as well when I went through my own uh, reincarnation experience that uh, there are other spirits around that say, okay, I'll play your nasty father and I'm going to be your loving mother and I'm going to be your molesting uncle and I'm going to be uh, your encouraging teacher. And the choice is endless. So what this stunning information has done for me was that it has made my life so much easier because I can now forgive my torturers, you know, nasty neighbors, teachers, relatives, knowing that they are just playing their roles. It's not an excuse, you know, for their uh, behavior. I'm not condoning it. But what I'm doing is that through my forgiveness, I set myself free. You know, if we carry grudges and are angry all the time, and um, feel hard done by, we stay in the three lower survival chakras. We're constantly trying to survive. And it won't let any of the information that needs to come, um, needs to come from those chakras and go up into our heart, into uh, these other areas uh, or chakra areas, 
won't let it come through because we are so blocked down there. So forgiving others, knowing that they are just doing what they uh, had agreed to do, can make a great difference and free you. Because we do have the freedom to decide how we live our lives. You know, the same way we can build the structure for a house and then decide what colors of furniture or colors on the wall or furniture we want to use. But we are guided to follow the blueprint. We can't just move the walls. And that was my problem because I was trying to change the layout of my life and move walls. And then I was frequently pushed back um, onto the blueprint I had chosen on the other side. So, you know, it takes, um, I was told it takes a very strong soul to be able to contend with all these uh, challenges that we put on our plate and then grumble about. So anyway, I can truly say that my initiation into the secrets of the universe uh, started with the past life regressions. But I was not able to use the information at the time because I was still too unconscious to see the gifts. And I was also incredibly headstrong, which was an old survival mechanism. Sometimes it still comes through, but for the most part, I say, okay, universe, you take over. Okay. So uh, an awareness uh, in the moment is something you, you have to consciously work at. It's not... Um, it might take an episode in your life to trigger that, hey? You're Absolutely. Not, yeah. 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 And that's what, what um, my uh, purpose is in a way that I want people to wake up and realize when something happens to them, it may be the universe that kicks them and says, okay, here's your chance. Uh, learn something from this rather than, you know, uh, go and, and hide again and say, oh, you know, life is against me. No, life is very much for us. And it, if we surrender to it, it doesn't mean we resign to it, but if we uh, surrender, we can learn so much from life and the events that surround us. And when I teach my courses, I always ask people to go look back how their thinking was when they were ha having a success and what they were thinking about when they had a failure. And un uh, undoubtedly, it always shows up that they had grand thoughts about their successes and doubts about their failures. So just being aware what life is trying to tell us uh, is, is quite helpful. Hmm. Uh, you talk about somatic experiencing, it's just a form of releasing trauma. I discussed uh, something similar with Belle in our last episode regarding uh, unresolved grief. We uh, don't talk about grieving and support each other well in times of grief events. Um, you also had cultural and self-imposed isolation with which to contend. What would you say to someone stuck in the darkness of the soul, as you called it, and unable to find their way? Um, the dark night of the soul is actually an incredible opportunity for growth. Many people are not in the right frame of mind to see that at the time. But um, it means that you can no longer live with your old self, which has been causing you so much pain, and that you need to get out of your old skin. It's like a caterpillar, which all of a sudden finds it needs to change and then turns into a chrysalis. And 
often these life events uh, that kick us, that say, okay, it's time to change, or like uh, this caterpillar who realizes, okay, shed the, the old skin. And then the old body starts, if you've ever seen the inside of a chrysalis, I've, uh, I've watched documentary, the old body starts to dissolve and a new one is being created. It's a painful and scary place for us to be because we don't know what will be when we come out of our own chrysalis. You know, uncertainty is such a scary place, yet nothing gets uh, created out of something that we have already known. We can only create new things out of uncertainty because it's so full of possibility. So um, if, if you feel that you are going into the darkness or the dark night of the soul, look at it as an opportunity that you can make some changes and that you can come out. What you also need to realize is that there are lots of people, lots of spirits around that will help you on, but it's your choice always to reach out and say, okay, I can't handle this. I need help. And I used to do that. I used to go up and down in the hallway of my old house and scream at the universe. I can't handle this. I don't know what to do. Help, help. And then all of a sudden help would come in the most uh, unusual ways. Nothing that I could have ever uh, tried to arrange and uh, would move me on. The, I'm, I mean, I, uh, sympathize or um, empathize with people uh, who are in that place because the emotional pain I went through when I was going through the transformational process during the dark night of my soul um, was worse than any physical um, pain I had ever experienced. And I must admit, I was on the verge of leaving the planet, but that wasn't in my blueprint. I received help from the universe and the people in the mental institution where my doctor had put me to protect me from myself. The other people, uh, we called ourselves inmates there, um, they helped me to see that I was still a member of the herd. And that is also very important that when we are in that dark, dark place, we feel so isolated. And then when we get uh, back and have a feeling that we still are part of the human race, and that our suffering isn't unique, but that it's part of being human. We have an advantage because I woke up and started seeing life from a more hopeful perspective. It took another year of psychotherapy though, before um, the first part of my transformation was complete. I was 48 when I received that gift. So I, uh, it was fairly late in life, but in my observation, there are many women in the same place, I have a daughter who's now 40 and she has acquaintances in that age group who are looking at life and say, is there all that's true? Uh, is this all that's uh, true life? And then uh, they, they need to be able to see that there are a lot more gifts out there for them than what they realize. Yeah, I think 40 was uh, how old I was when I moved out, out west and completely completely changed my life mm -hmm. um yeah. it's a, a time in uh that that people do a lot of reassessing and mm. yeah it is um so what do you want us to take away from reading your book well i would like to see readers feel a sense of hope 
a sense of empowerment because that's something that I didn't have when I needed it so sorely. And if I can provide that, then I've uh, fulfilled my um, purpose. I want them to take away a knowing that they can come out of this state of survival and go into a new state of thriving with the information I have given them. The intention of my book is also to help readers resonate with the underlying feelings that they only get when they have been in similar situation situations. When, when people have not experienced what I'm describing, uh, then they, it was, won't resonate with them because it speaks to the heart. And my book shakes, uh, shakes up the heart and inspires readers to do something about their longings and discontents. Because I believe that knowledge is power, which gives us the strength uh, to make changes. And when I would say about uh, longings and discontents, it's something like um, a toothache. You know, it's there, you're aware of it, then it goes away for a while, then it comes back. And this is what uh, longings and discontents are. You know that you need to make a change, but somehow you can't get, uh, get yourself into that frame of mind. And I also want people to know that life is on our side. If we can create positive vibrations inside ourselves, we emanate them into our environment and affect others around us. You know, if you know that what you think about, what you speak about um, has an impact on the people around you. And I, I have to say that some people said to me, you know, being around you, it feels like I can never be the same. You just fill me up with <laughs> so much information and you just vibrate and you, you just, uh, and, and the interesting thing is some people can't handle that kind of energy because they're still in the unconscious states. But those who are ready, they just absorb this like sponges. And when we create a positive ripple effect, we never know just how far that ripple effect will reach. You know, a guy to toss a, a rock into this, um, let's say pond of listeners and they will be affected and they will make changes in their lives and that will affect other people and on and on it goes. And it was just through the kind of work that you did with me, Zoe. And that's why I'm saying that you are an angel without wings. <laughs> you haven't earned your wings yet. But, uh, you know, you are making a difference in other people's lives by bringing in new kinds of uh, thinking and new information that can have such an impact on the quality of uh, people's lives. And that is more important than anything else for me. I don't know about you, but that's more the most important thing to me is that you make a difference, even if it's to one person. Yeah, that's exactly my purpose. And that's why I'm teaching courses and um, go on uh, events like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Alrighty. So uh, you have a website, www dtlc.ca yes and if i may say the d stands for dorothea and the tlc you could say tender loving care but it's actually transformational life coaching so dtlc and i live in canada dtlc.ca and right. it's full of information if people want to go there right and if you go there too you can uh uh, there's links to purchase the book when yeah. life has other plans discover the hidden gifts and it's available directly from Dorothea or from uh, Amazon. 
and uh, there's a bunch of other social media information that that she's given me that I will put in the hang on I lost my there we go that I will put in the um, description of this podcast as well so that it's there in in uh, print for people to pick up on um, it's been a pleasure just dis- uh, chatting with you um, I found your book uh, very inspiring and enlightening and uh, like I say we have to have a tea and chit chat about uh, uh, similar life experiences and and outlooks because uh, uh, um, I feel like your book makes one feel like um, you're a, a good friend to ha- come and have a chat with. <laughs> awesome. I, I, if I may just say something about my business, mm-hmm. is that part of this uh, program still? Or? Sure, go ahead. Yep. Um, it's geared towards people who want more clarity about what they want to see happening in their lives. You know, uh, what, uh, uh, what they can't say to other people, um, they can sort out with me uh, it's a heart-to-heart uh, talk, and uh, when people have clarity, they can make much better p- uh, decisions. And I'm planning to offer my introductory course to get um, people to know themselves better and to explore their dream. And uh, it's um, it would be um, six hours, like four times one and a half hour, and I will put that info on my website in March. And uh, people will learn a lot about themselves, their talents and gifts, and even what holds them back. So um, there's a it, link on your website to coaching. Would it be? Yeah. You would find more information about it there. Yeah. Right. Or on news, they can just peruse it. But, yeah, the news uh, bits were quite interesting too. It's really interesting. I said the news bits were quite yeah. interesting too. I was looking at them today. Yeah. Yeah, so there's lots uh, to find out there and to amuse oneself with. But the real purpose uh, of my life is to be of service and to empower others. And if I may um, quote Eckhart Tolle, who is one of my favorite uh, wise men, he says, um, when a course of action is aligned with the, uh, what the universe wants, it will be empowered. So if you uh, consider that, uh, you can get quite empowered. Right. Sounds inspiring. <laughs> You'll be levitating. Because <laughs> I've filled up with so much energy. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Dorothea. And uh, good luck with your various projects. Well, thank you, um, Zoe. Uh, and all the best to you as well. And we'll catch up eventually. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I'll close today with a reminder that when we pause to look back on our experiences, we may regret choices made and opportunities missed. May this be a day to instead appreciate the lessons learned by this adventure called life. Look forward bravely and embrace the detours granted. May the story of your life be fulfilling and amazing for the telling. A nod to our sponsor, Philadelph Publishing, and a shout out to our podcast production team at Ponies Tech Corral. Special thanks to you, our amazing listeners. Keep sharing, listening, and commenting. If you have someone who inspires you, let us know at Zoe, Z-O-E, at don't say maybe, all one word, dot com, 
and we'll ask them to chat with us in future episodes. Until next time, I'm Zoe Duff, and this is Don't Say Maybe. Maybe.